Thank you for coming to the podcast. Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FloatCombat.com is brought to you by a tremendous fightwear company, ADK Fightwear. Meet us at the top. ADK Fightwear combines awesome graphics, a very stylish look, and comfortable fightwear. So when you go to your jiu-jitsu tournament or your MMA fight or whatever it is you do, maybe you're just a guy who likes to train, you show up at the gym, you're going to be the best dressed guy on the mats or in the cage, guy or gal, and you're going to thank us for sending you to adkfightwear.com. Gumby, do we have a promo code with ADK Fightwear? Because that would be amazing. We sure do. If you go to adkfightwear.com right now and punch in promo code TURTLE, that's T-U-R-T-L-E, that's going to get you 20% off your entire order. 20% 20 off your entire order. Wow, we're just giving ADK Fightwear away. Uh, Listen, guys, it's a family-run business from the great and beautiful Adirondack Mountains in New York. This is a company that just happens to love MMA, grappling. Go support them. Go to ADKFightwear.com. They support us. It helps keep the lights on in the Top Turtle studio. ADK Fightwear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast with UFC fighter Jack Hermanson. And that starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland here with Flow Combat's Top Turtle MMA, and I have the pleasure of speaking with the Joker, Jack Hermanson, who fights Tiales Leites at UFC 224 in Brazil on May 12th. Um, Jack, you know, Sweden's not really a country, or was a country, known for its MMA popularity. It's growing all the time. Norway doesn't have that many fighters. How is it that Norway sort of became your home to MMA? Yeah, you know... Um... Norway, MMA is, isn't that big in Norway, but we have a really good circuit here in Oslo. So uh, um, when I came here to, uh, yeah, just for for work, uh, I started to train with, uh, uh, among others, uh, Joachim Hansen, mm-hmm. the old legend from Pride, mm-hmm. uh, Joachim Hellboy Hansen. And uh, he and his uh, crew, like, uh, had some really good training and... Uh, uh, since that day, uh, I was stuck here, so <laughs> and, and now it has developed to to one of the leading teams in in Europe. Yeah, absolutely. And what brought you? What what work brought you from Sweden to Norway? Um, from the start, uh, I started to work as a um, uh, substitute uh, teacher and uh, uh, at the school, and uh, later on, I worked uh, in a pet shop uh, as well. Well, those are those are two certainly uh, very different polar opposites from your fighting career. Do you ever have any situations <laughs> where the kids found out about, uh, you know, substitute teacher Hermanson punching people in the face at night? Yeah, they did. They did. So you know, suddenly people start to whisper and point at me. So I understood somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so um. <Very> <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit about your fight. You, this is your second fight in Brazil. Uh, what is getting ready for a fight in Brazil like compared to getting ready for a fight that's much closer to home? It's actually going to be the third fight in Brazil. Um, so I'm getting uh, almost, you know, uh, it's almost like uh, at home now. So <laughs> I'm getting used to it. You get used um, to it. You're getting used to it, but what's like maybe uh, what's what's the more difficult thing to get used to? I guess. 
Um, you know, there is like always when you travel, there is some time difference and stuff. And it, people are always asking me about, you know, the crowd and stuff uh, and how that feels, you know, uh, Brazil being uh, famous for their hostile crowd. But, uh, you know, as as long as you are uh, respectful against your opponent, uh, they don't bother you too much. So, uh, so it's basically like any other fight for me. Uh, I, I think so, you know, there's, yeah, a little bit of time difference, a little bit warmer, of course, so, uh, I have to get there, like, a week before and just climatize a little bit, and, uh, I should be fine. Mm-hmm. And you said as long as you respect your, uh, opponent, and now this is an op- opponent that deserves your respect, TLS Leites, former title challenger, what does it mean to you to get a title challenger in a UFC bout? Uh, it clearly shows, you know, the UFC has some faith in you. Yeah, I'm, I'm super happy about it, you know, to, to fight such a, a famous name. And, uh, you know, Talos was one of the guys I was watching before I even trained uh, MMA. So <laughs> it's uh, super cool to, to fight him. And, uh, uh, yeah, we're really, really looking forward to it. And, uh, oh, yeah, I'm gonna, gonna show everybody that, uh, I'm there to, to, you know, t- take his spot and, uh, and, uh, represent the, the younger up-and-coming generation mm-hmm. and in sort of what uh stylistic challenges do you see that ladies brings to the table uh versus your other opponents um he's uh you know well known for his uh grappling and uh, his uh submission game so um that will be something i have to deal with and uh he also uh is very gritty he hasn't been finished um, with strikes, like he hasn't been TKO'd in all his fights, and and he has loads of fights, so uh, that in itself is uh, is a challenge, and uh, it would bo- it would be awesome to be the first one to uh, to do that. Yeah, and you said so. You you said you're you're here to represent the younger MMA crowd for uh, middleweight right now. What's your sort of prediction for the fight when you do get the chance to face off for him? You you a prediction kind of guy? Um, yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> I think, I think, uh, I will be able to do it in the first round. And, uh, just, uh, you know, yeah, I will say I will submit him in the first round. Wow, hell of a prediction. Now, I got another yeah. question. <laughs> Usually we, we end off with a prediction question, but, uh, I'm a little bit interested here too because you got the nickname Joker, uh, and, yep. you know, the, the Joker, popular, uh, super villain in, uh, American culture. Is that where you got the nickname from, or is there some sort of basis behind the nickname the Joker? Now, it's, uh, you know, p- people at school started calling call me the Joker just because of my smiles, you know, a little bit Joker-like, uh, <laughs> like the, the, the figure in, in Batman. So, um, um, and then I was uh, at the way, way in for one of my fights, and a couple of other guys started calling me the Joker because of my smile. So I was just like, okay, that has to be it, you know. So. <laughs> well, that's that's perfect because you're certainly going to be the villain uh, come May 12th in uh, Brazil. Uh, once again, Jack Hermanson fights Tiales Leites at UFC 224 in Brazil on May 12th. Jack, thank you so much for the time. Thank you very much for having me.
And that interview was, of course, brought to you by Dead Frog Brewery. Hey, there are a lot of craft breweries out there, but they're not a lot like Dead Frog. It's a Canadian craft brewery with no pasteurization and no preservatives, just really good, really clean beer. So head on over to deadfrog.ca, check out their entire line, or head to your local liquor store today and pick some up. We, of course, are Dave and Dan with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and that was Jack the Joker Hermanson. Dave, what'd you think? You know, I like this guy. He's got, uh, he's got that dragon energy. He's a guy, he worked as a teacher, he worked in a pet store, and now he's a <laughs> UFC fighter. It reminds me of that movie, Here Comes the Boom. And he's one of those guys, too. I mean, hey, three and two in the UFC, losses to Cesar Ferrara and Tiago Santos, uh, you know, both down in Brazil, so he had to do that miserable trip, um, which is tough to do as kind of like an away team fighter, but then wins over Scott Askham. Askham what? Alex Nicholson and Brad Scott. He's a guy that, you know, his career could go, I say this all the time, in one or two directions from here. It's going to be make or break over the next two two fights, you know? Yeah, and I love his willingness, even though, like we said, he had had a tough time in Brazil multiple times, his willingness to go back to Brazil for this fight at UFC 224. Uh, you know, it's a it's a tough one. Hey, my man Jack Hermanson loves a challenge. Loves a challenge. Do you know who else loves a challenge? Who? That was Fedor Emelianenko loves a <laughs> challenge. Like former UFC champion Frank Mir, although it wasn't much of a challenge, was it? Uh, no, he made quick work of Mr. Mir. Here's a question for you, uh, and this is something I, I had to talk to before. Was this more of a, holy shit, Fedor is still a legit guy, or, man, Frank Mir got real punchy real fast? Uh, it's like neither, and it's both. I, Fedor is not <laughs> legit in any way. I mean, if you put Fedor into the UFC heavyweight division... Naganu knocks his head clean off in, you know, two minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. I could... Is he still top 10? Uh, well, I was just going to say, what if I told you right now that Derek Lewis and Fedor were fighting this summer, what would you think would happen? I'd take Derek Lewis. Yeah, I would too, but then if Fedor... I wouldn't be real happy about it, but I'd take Derek Lewis. Right, right. Isn't that kind of funny? Because I was thinking of, like, top UFC heavyweights, and I'm like... Yeah, Derek Lewis would win, but at the same time, couldn't you see Fedor pulling off some craziness in the third round? <laughs> yeah, once freaking yeah. Let, let's talk about this. Fedor's got the better cardio in that pair. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is not. It, it's nothing to say that Fedor's legit or has a title run in him. It's just this is Bellator. You know, it's fun stuff. It's kind of like the what's the PGA Senior League? What, what's that called? Senior yeah, the Legends Tour or something. Yeah. yeah. That, that's what this is. So it was a cool moment to see, uh, you know, even let's say three, four years ago, Mir had a couple of wins in a row, if I'm not mistaken. He knocked out mm-hmm. Todd Duffy, sort of felt like he might have a run in him. I would have picked Mir all day, every day over Emelianenko. But who the fuck knows what's going on with Mir at this point? He looked, yeah, he, the, he looked suspect, to say yeah. the least. Yeah, and he was the the crazy thing was every single punch he threw seemed to be like wild and not calculated. Which, like you said, a little while ago he was fighting in the UFC and he like put together a pretty nice run. He picked up wins, like you said, over Todd Duffy. Um, and I think he beat Bigfoot, and then he lost to Arlovsky. But like even in those losses, he looked really calculated. This was not a calculated Frank Mir. This was like throw the kitchen sink Frank Mir. 
That's actually, you know what it was? I'm looking at it right now. I had the intern pull it up. Intern, i.e. me. He had four losses in a row to top flight talent. This is starting in 2012. Lost to JDS, Daniel Cormier, Josh Barnett, Alistair Overeem. Then reeled off two wins, performance of the night in both cases, against Bigfoot, knocked him out. Stop me if you've ever heard that before. And then the surprising KO over Todd Duffy at the time. And then lost three in a row to Arlovsky Hunt. Or sorry, two in a row to Arlovsky Hunt. And now to Emilianenko. So really... We're kind of dealing with like a BJ Penn situation. You take out that Todd Duffy win. I don't even want to give him credit for Bigfoot Silva. The the windmill Todd Duffy one was not pretty either. And it was remember that that was like Todd Duffy sloppy punches. You you have to go back seven years to December of 2011 when he's breaking uh, and Rodrigo Nogueira's arm. Uh, with the Kimura, so yeah, I mean... So I think that answers my question off the top, then. I I think this is more Frank Mir became punchy pretty damn quick. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I will say this, I I will say this, I I could talk shit on it being the Legends League and this and that, I love the Grand Prix, like, I was at work today checking who's where in the brackets, I, I don't understand why the UFC wouldn't take a top division like a 155 or a 145. Uh, well, obviously, I get it with Connor. You don't really need such a thing. But if they ever wanted to push a few challengers forward, I just think the Grand Prix is such a great way to go. And I know that it's tough. Tournaments don't sell, especially one-night tournaments. But if you take eight names or eight close-to-being names, kind of up-and-coming guys, and pair them up appropriately – it's really no different over if you book it over the course of a year than just having them fight anyway. Only this time, you're having the winners fight each other, but hopefully interest has built after that first round. I just don't see how a Grand Prix over the course of a year is a bad way to go, because this, this Grand Prix is awesome, and it's with guys, half of whom shouldn't even be fighting anymore. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's that anticipation of like seeing the matchup a, a fight before it happens like we knew whoever won that fight the other night frank Mir versus fedor was gonna fight shale fucking sonnen of all people right so we knew this like ridiculous matchup was about to happen and for me that made fedor Mir more interesting and I, I i'm like ashamed saying that but like Fedor won, and instantly i was like are you fucking kidding me fedor and shale sonnen how fucking fun is that Yeah, and I look at it like this. The two halves of the bracket, one is like the legends kind of just name four guys who were names, and the other half were actually Mm -hmm. legitimate, like almost still in their prime. So what I'm looking at is you had Rampage and Shale, winner being Shale, fights the winner of Fedor and Frank Mir. Okay, that's kind of like the senior division to me. But then you go down to the other half of the bracket, you have Bader versus King Mo. That's a legit matchup. And Mitrione Roy Nelson. Also, also pretty, a legit I mean, matchup. Yeah, Nelson, I would probably say, is a little more past his prime than, let's say, Mitrione. But, mm. yeah, I mean, that's just the way I look at it. So, the way, if you want to go down the road on this, you almost have to figure someone like Bader or Mitri- Bader, Bader or Mitrione Bader. will fight Fedor or Chael Sonnen in the final. So, you're going to have a guy who's in his close to prime in Bader and Mitrione. Versus someone like a Chael or a Fader, who's just a massive name. Yeah, and it, it's silly and great all at the same time. It's a it's one of the best set of matchmaking moves that Bellator has ever made, which is crazy because it sounded so dumb off the top. 
Hey, we've done 115 or so uh, episodes on this podcast. We very rarely have had the chance to touch on uh, Bellator, but here we are, and it actually leads us into our combat countdown for the week. Why don't you tell our fans what that combat countdown is, Gumby? So our combat countdown of this week is going to be the top five fights that Bellator could make right now. So to honor the good matchmaking of getting to see Shale Sonnen versus Fedor, we're going to talk about if we scrapped the GP and we used all of those fighters and other fighters to make five distinct matchups, what would be the five best fights that they could put on right now? So let's send it over to Melvin Buffer for our intro for this. Play it, Melvin. It's time for the Combat Countdown. Combat countdown on our top five most wanted Bellator fights. And we're going to start with two Uber prospects. And Gumby, I know this was very close to your heart. You found this to be a very fun matchup. We're talking about Aaron Pico, the wrestling superstar, versus, wait for it, Connor's boy, Dylan Dennis, the jiu-jitsu star. Aaron Pico versus Dylan Dennis. Why do you want it? Oh, I love this for so many reasons. First of all, they're in different divisions. So before you at me on this one, I understand they're in different divisions. But think about it. Dylan Danis is in the process of calling out everybody and anybody who's a big name, right? He wants Ben Askren, and we're all like, dude, you're not ready for Ben Askren. He wants this guy. He wants that guy. Do you know who he hasn't mentioned yet? He mentioned hasn't mentioned somebody who has roughly the same amount of fights as him, three versus one, roughly the same amount of MMA experience as him. And roughly the same kind of grappling pedigree. One guy being a huge standout wrestler, the other guy being a phenomenal jujitsu star. So to me, that's such a fun matchup. And the fact that Danis talks as much as he does and Pico doesn't even makes it better. It would make for those like awkward one-sided press conferences. And this matchup would just build and build and build. And to be honest with you, I don't know what would happen. Uh, really? Because I think I absolutely know what had happened just based on what I saw from Dylan Dennis's striking. And granted, it was limited. We saw it only for a couple of seconds on display. I think Pico is much more advanced in the striking department. Plus, I always am going to probably pick a wrestler versus a jiu-jitsu guy. Sure, Dennis could catch him in a submission. We saw Iron Pico get caught in a submission in his debut. But I think Pico is already a little more well-rounded. But we don't have a lot of footage to go on. Is it a fun fight? Yeah, I guess so. They're two of the bigger names as far as prospects go in Bellator. So I see what you did there. But my money would be all in on Aaron Pico. Yeah, I, I think that that's sort of one of the things uh, that the size discrepancy helps too with Danis being a little bit bigger. Uh, I, I think that that just adds a little bit more to the injury because you're right. He's definitely less polished on the feet. But could he grapple him being a little bit heavier um, if Pico had to come up to his weight? I think it's it's more up in the air than you do. Well, tweet at us with what you think at Top Turtle MMA. We'll move to number four, and this is while we give Bellator a lot of shit for matching up old guys that really probably shouldn't be fighting anymore. This is a fun one. It only happened once before. It'd be a rematch from Pride, which you know is close to my heart. We're talking about Crow Cop versus Fedor. Yeah, it's a rematch of Pride Conflict 2005, and if you haven't ever watched. Krokop versus Fedor. It's one of those fights that stick out is like if you look back in time, it was so far ahead of its time. 
Uh, the stuff that was going on was really, really advanced. It almost looks like a modern MMA fight in how intelligently they're fighting, and is still crazy, crazy, crazy entertaining, uh, like an old Pride fight can be. So, at, at this point in time in their career, we're pretty sure both of them are in the twilight. Why not run it back one more time for nostalgia's sake? I would love to see it happen. And, with Krokop fighting an alternate bout for this Grand Prix, it might not be that far from happening. It absolutely could happen if Chell got injured or someone from the other side of the bracket got injured. We could absolutely see this. Uh, you know, you go back to that fight back in 2005. Fedor got Krokop down a number of times, ended up in Krokop's guard, believe it or not. Um, and Krokop was able to withstand the ground and pound. Did get a little wobbled, though, uh, throughout the course of the fight. It's one that I would just love to see run back when it comes to the two legends. Yeah, absolutely. And if it was in the finals of this crazy GP, what what a story. All right. Well, let's move to number three, and it's another jiu-jitsu uh, phenom versus wrestling phenom matchup because Bellator has done a really good job of scooping up both wrestling prospects and jiu-jitsu prospects or people who were successful in those two worlds before becoming MMA fighters. So for number three, and I'm pretty pumped about this one if it would ever happen, it would be Ed Ruth versus Neiman Gracie. Yeah, and I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there with saying that they were great at scooping up those wrestling prospects. Ed Ruth and Aaron Pico had zero MMA fights before being signed by Bellator to some fairly lucrative contracts. And while Aaron Pico slipped up in his debut, Ed Ruth has just been a freaking machine uh, on, the, on the mats and just generally in the cage. Gracie, like um, like you said before with Picos, is definitely a little bit more well-rounded than Ruth in a lot of ways. But that like power wrestling of Ruth just makes me want to see this matchup regardless. Because what if he wrestles him? Do you really want to go to the ground with another Gracie? Like an, he, and he d- works on the ground like an old-school Gracie. So uh, I 100% would love to see this matchup. My money would probably be on Gracie, but I would think twice about actually laying it down. Well, here's the thing. I, I mean, my money would be on Ed Ruth. He's 5-0. and Four of the wins have come via stoppage. KOs, knees to the body, TKOs. The guy is a ground-and-pound machine. Neiman Gracie, who I still love as well, he's 6-0 and in Bellator with four uh, submissions. Rear naked chokes, neck cranks, an arm triangle choke. But I just don't see him tapping out Ed Ruth. But again, you know, we're going on such a limited... Uh, mm-hmm. fights for a lot of these guys. I always lean more towards the wrestler, and I say that as a jiu-jitsu guy myself, but what an exciting matchup. Tweet at us, at Top Turtle MMA. Tell us what you think. We'll move on to number two. Two of the bigger names in Bellator for the past few years, one of whom has been entirely built in Bellator, the other a former UFC fighter. Uh, they're both from Great Britain, which also makes the matchup somewhat interesting. We're talking about Michael Venom Page versus Paul Daly. Yeah, and I think this is the fight that seems to be on our list as the most likely to happen or was the most likely to happen at some point in time. Both of them with absolutely insane power in their hands. Both of them completely different types of stand-up fighters. With Paul Daly sitting on his punches definitely more. Michael Page being a tad more flashy. Um, Paul Daly definitely has this in the experience column. But the question is, is he still fast enough? And does he still take a punch as well as he used to in order to handle a young gun like MVP? Yeah, so I think that's a pretty fun fight, um, especially both guys being striker first. 
I pick MVP, but goddamn do I want to see it. We'll move now to number one. It's two former uh, UFC stars, and really probably, in my opinion, number one and number two as far as pound-for-pound best fighters in Bellator. It's Rory Mack versus Gegard Mousasi. Yeah, and another one that's not two guys who are in the same division. I mean, Rory Mack could 100% go up to 185 and still look like a big man up there. Um, but this one we we had to pick for that reason. It's the number one and number two best guy pound for pound in Bellator with a chance to fight each other. It's basically Bellator's version of GSP versus Anderson Silva back in the day. It's two guys you're going to wish fought each other at some point in time um, when this is all said and done. Whereas the other ones were a little bit more style matchups. This one is definitely more. I just want to know who's better at this point in time. Um, and, and and I tend to lean, even though he's smaller, towards Rory Mack. Because I just think he's so well-rounded and he's so... He, he's still so young uh, that I think he's got that on his side as an advantage. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a fight. I think Bellator, it, they have it in mind to make. There were rumors recently of Rory Mack versus Ben Askren. They were trying to work an angle on Twitter. Scott Coker said, and this could have just been negotiation, I don't want Ben Askren back because I don't want someone who's only here for one fight. I want fighters I could build around. Love the idea of Rory Mack versus Ben Askren. When we went to the criteria of our top five most wanted Bellator fights, we tried to stick to guys who are actually on the roster. Now, if you want to insert Ben Askren, we'll have to make a whole new list. I would also say throw in Michael Venom Page into that uh, mix with Rory Mack and Gegard Mousasi. I could watch any combination of those three. You want to give me Page versus Rory Mack? You want to give me Page versus Mousasi? You want to give me Mack versus Mousasi? I love it all. Take my money. Or in this case... Give it to me for free on Spike TV. I'll be there watching it. But Bellator does have some interesting fighters. Coker has done a good job in the past year of acquiring some talent that you actually want to tune into and see. I think although they still do it and they do their, you know, legends fights with guys who should probably be in an old age home right now, we're pretty far past Kimbo Slice versus Dada 1000 or whatever the guy's name was. They mm-hmm. do have some exciting fighters on this roster. And I will say this too. They've done a phenomenal job scooping up talents like Aaron Pico and Ed Ruth and Neiman Gracie. Yeah, I I actually think that that's the key to their success right now because at first I thought that that business model of like signing all of the geezers and holding geezer fights – it w- would just burn out, right? Like that—that's not a sustainable model to overpay for guys who you know, like underdraw, right? Because that's what they were doing. They—they they bought Ben Henderson, and while I love Benson Henderson, he's like probably not one of the, like best-selling guys. So they like overpaid for a guy who doesn't sell well. So I figured that that wouldn't work very long. But their way of like snatching up young guys who haven't fought yet and knowing they're talented, I think it's worked out for. Them. Yeah, absolutely. So let's run this back. Uh, the combat countdown, top five most wanted Bellator fights. We had number five, Aaron Pico versus Dylan Dennis. Number four, Krokop versus Fedor in a Legends matchup. Number three, Ed Ruth versus Neiman Gracie. Old school wrestling versus BJJ, like early UFCs. Number two, battle of strikers from the UK who don't like each other, Michael Venom Page versus Paul Daly. And number one, Rory Mack versus Gegard Mousasi. Let's face it, it's the two best fighters in the organization. Let's match them up. So tweet at us at Top Turtle MMA if you love or hate the list. Gumby, did any sponsor bring us that combat countdown? 
Of course, that combat countdown was brought to you by Garage Fit. Look, we don't all have time to get to the gym, get to jiu-jitsu, and have our lives. So we want to make sure that we get our quality workout without wasting time at Planet Fitness or what have you. So you can get that high-quality workout right in your garage by going to Garage Fit, which is at garagegym.net. Head on over there. Check out what they've got. They've got your weighted vest, your plyo boxes, your heavy ropes, whatever it is you need to have a high-quality workout in your home without wasting time getting to that gym. So head on over once again to garagegym.net and check it out. All right. So that about wraps it up for us. Is there any housekeeping here that we should address for our loyal fans, listeners? Well, once again, we want to thank ADK Fightwear, Dead Frog, and Garage Fit for sponsoring the show. We also want to thank our mothership, FlowCombat.com, for always having us on. And uh, also, remember that next week we'll be back at you with finally some another UFC card to preview. We'll get to UFC 224 in Brazil, uh, an exciting pay-per-view card once again. All right. Well, that about wraps it up for us then. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland. I am Shockwave Dave Tremonti. This was Top Turtle MMA Podcast. Thank you so much for listening.